conversations with the world's top drummers in the most extreme genres. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hoffing. Welcome to another episode of War Talking Drums. It's so nice to be back. I am now in my new studio in Hamilton, Ontario, up here in Canada. And I say up here because I've just noticed that over 35% of our listeners are from south of the border in America. So big thanks to all my American drummer friends uh, for coming on the podcast and showing all the you know Americans uh, this podcast. So thank you very much. You guys are absolutely awesome. Really appreciate all you guys listening. I know we've been off for a while, but you know you guys continue to listen and share. It's greatly appreciated. Keep it up. I will keep doing this podcast as long as you guys are listening. So. Excellent stuff. Uh, speaking of America, my band, Lotharo, will be going to the States supporting Glory Hammer and Ailstorm in May. That's May 5th through 28th. Uh, you can find all the dates in the show notes. Uh, and if we're coming to your town, please hit me up. Uh, if you're coming out to the show, let me know. Let's hang out. If you're a drummer, you want to do a podcast while I'm in town, just like let me know ahead of time. You can find me on all the socials at We're Talking Drums on Instagram, or if you want to hit me up by email, it's We're Talking Drums at gmail.com. So please hit me up. Let me know. Check all the dates. If you can make it out, it'd be super rad to see some of my fans from the States. I know a couple of you have already reached out who follow me, so that's super sick. Thank you very much. Super excellent. I'm very excited about that. Uh, right after we, we are done uh, Europe, or with... Right after we are done in America with Glory Hammer and Ailstorm, we will be going to Europe uh, June 2nd through 12th for very select dates in Germany, Netherlands, and Belgium. Stay tuned for the full list of dates on that. We're still just confirming a couple things and details there, but very select dates right now in Europe. Uh, and then hopefully next year we'll be coming back for a full run. So very excited about all that. So if you are in Europe, stay tuned. We'll be coming out. Uh, and every and the, all the stuff goes for that as well. Like if you want to hang out, hit me up. You know, uh, it, it'll be a super fun time. I miss my German family. You guys are always so amazing. So very excited to see y'all then. Uh, Lastly, in the Lotharo land, we've been so super busy. We have new record. Uh, but other than that, we will be starting up a podcast as well. I'm uh, very excited about it. It's something new, just getting to do a band chat. Uh, so if any of you guys are into that type of podcast, make sure you stay tuned. Follow us on all the socials. Uh, all the links to this will be in the show notes. So make sure you check it out. A couple weeks, we're going to be launching it. So very excited. That's all I'm going to say on that. Next, I just want to give a big... Thank you to the sponsor of this podcast, Los Cabos Drumsticks. 
You guys are absolutely amazing. Best sticks in the world, in my opinion, and they are Canadian made, Canadian run company. Very small. Phil and everybody there have done such an amazing job. I've been with the company now for a decade, 10 years I've been with Los Cabos, a part of the family, and I, there's no other stick company I'd rather play for. I personally use the White Hickory 2Bs. They are my favorite on the road in studio. I absolutely love them. I know guys such as Dave McGraw, Bryce Butler love the Red Hickory line. A lot of those guys that are heavy blast beaters, death metal guys love the durability of the Red Hickory. So make sure you go pick yourself up a set of Lost Cabos drumsticks today and try them out for yourself. Okay, Whew. enough of that. Let's dive into today's podcast, okay? My guest today is Mike Cotton. You may know him from Celtic folk band Steel City Rovers or his Iron Maiden tribute band Maiden Canada. Me and Mike go back a long way. Uh, we've known each other for about 10 years, and he was the first one to introduce me to Los Cabos Drumsticks. And we get into that, and I tell the tale of how all of that came to be. So it was very awesome getting to catch up with him. It's been quite a long, a long, a long time. It's been quite a long time since I've seen him, and it was very, very excellent. We talk about the diversity in the venues that the Steel City Rovers play, how they just recently came back from Ireland and did a run over there, uh, and they also have played with symphony orchestras, which is a very different feel and vibe, and uh, he, he explains how different that was in a performance than just playing with the band. Uh, we also nerd out about Iron Maiden near the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that till the end. Uh, please follow Mike on all the socials. He also has a YouTube channel where he does all kinds of gear reviews, a lot of stuff drum-related, and also some playthroughs and stuff like that. So make sure you follow him there, and make sure you follow the podcast on all the socials, and like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. If you want to go one step further, we do have a Patreon. Uh, it's only $2 a month. So if you feel so generous and want to keep this going and keep the production value going up and up and up, then please subscribe to that and you'll get all the episodes uh, just a little bit earlier than everyone else. All right. You'll get that inside scoop. All right. Without any further delays... Here is my conversation with Mike Cotton. Mike Cotton, welcome to the We're Talking Drums podcast. How you doing today, man? I'm great, Corey. How you doing? I'm not too bad. You know, I got a good night's rest, finally. Yeah. So, you there know. There you go. It always yeah. helps, right? Yeah. Feeling pretty good. I've been playing drums a lot more lately. Oh, that's good. Yeah. How often do you practice? Um, These days, I am like a... I'm like a maximum like hour or two hours a day kind of guy these days. Every day, like seven days a week, like religiously. Probably six. Six? Probably six yeah, days a week. One I, day off? Okay. And I do it in the morning, actually. That's kind of my, my Morning? Jam. Yeah. How early? Like like out of bed, like uh, grab a coffee and hit the kit? I'm like, my routine at, the, the, at this uh, stage is uh, 
get up, have a shower, make a tea, and then go play drums for an hour or two in the morning. Oh, nice. Before I go to the go to the day job. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's lucky, dude. I, I don't know if I could do that. That's tough. I like my evening. Yeah? Evening rehearsal. Yeah, dude. That's what I do. Like, I, I'll spend all day uh, working and doing whatever, and then yeah. I'll come to the space at night, and I'll play, like, and then basically go home, go to bed. Like, oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah. I like the evenings. I used to do that, but then I found... Uh, Something about getting up in the morning when you're fresh, you know, you can just get right after it and, uh, you know, get it out of the way for the day. Well, I do like to get a workout in in the morning. See, I like working out in the evening. Oh, wow. See, so okay. we're, we're like, we're like yin and yang here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's opposites. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do a two hour, uh, sessions on the kit five days a week. Okay. Like if I can make that happen, cause there was a while there where it was like, I'm, I haven't touched my drums in two weeks. Yeah, you know? and that's when the depression starts to really sure. kick in, and then you're like, "Fuck, why do I feel like shit all the time?" <laughs> and then you're like, "Fuck, I, I'll, I'll go play drums, you know, whatever." And then you feel a million times better afterwards. And right? You're like, oh, okay, maybe that is my antidepressant. Is I just have to play drums. You just need that release, right? You know, yeah. same with working out, right? You get sometimes you're just having a bad day or whatever it is, and good pump in the gym, and you're feeling great, right? Yeah, well, there is actually um, scientific proof that there's like molecules released when you work your muscles okay. into your body that act as antidepressants. Really? So, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, maybe that's why when I play drums and I'm like working all my limbs because I flail and yeah. like move so much, I'm like, maybe that's why I feel so much better afterwards. Probably. Yeah, because I'm getting, even though it's not like, traditional workout or anything like that but it's like you know playing drums you burn a lot of calories well, for like, sure yeah it's tough like i'm sweating shirts off by the end of it right <laughs> you got the so, tarp off by the end of the yeah. show yeah oh yeah oh absolutely <laughs> especially live my yeah. whole thing is if we're doing a headlining set yeah then i always come back out for the encore and take my shirt off before we start the song okay because the crowd loves it right right the ladies go oh yeah nuts. the dudes go nuts too you gotta save some <laughs> ladies for the it. rest of us bro come on hey hey I'm well the, not me but you know i'm the, the rest only of the boys. single one in in the band okay so i'm allowed to actually right. all of my bands i'm the only single one. Oh, okay so yeah. hey i'm allowed to show off and yeah that's all right that. yeah. so awesome. yeah man speaking cool. of bands though yeah you play in a couple yeah, I mean, over the years, I've played in probably too many to list over the years, you know. Yeah, but, uh, I right know how in, that is. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of how it goes, especially as yeah. a drummer, right? You get pulled to do different stuff all the time, but... Uh, Always, man. Yeah, so what would you say are your main projects right now? So right now, I have um, the Steel City Rovers, the Celtic band. Right. Um, you were just in Europe with them late yeah. last year, right? Yeah, yeah, we were in Ireland... Yeah, yeah, awesome. that's awesome. awesome. How many shows did you do? And it was just in Ireland. Well, it was in Ireland, and then I went and visited some friends in England. Like from when I lived there, I just popped over for a right, couple of days and right. hung out. But yeah, so um, well, it's kind of complicated. So it was, uh, I don't remember how many shows it was exactly, but because we played like in the hotels and stuff like that. Like so, the Celtic mm -hmm. thing, it's very different from like the traditional like rock or metal setup. It's like right. they're very like into like kitchen parties and jams kind of thing. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're all awesome. playing like fiddle and 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 whistle and like flute and stuff. So, right? what, so what do you do percussion wise during that? Do you just bust out a tambourine or uh, do you get a cajon? So it's uh, what I usually do with that 
is uh, like in Ireland, I you know you bring like a snare drum and I put like a like a t-shirt over it. Yeah. And you kind of can get like a bass sound out of the middle of the of the drum. And I play it with like a like a, like not brushes like the the rods like the blast sticks or whatever you call them. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I know so you kind of get like that. a kick sound and a snare sound, kind of like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's so it's kind of cool. It's different. Very different with that. Because yeah. uh, I know when I played uh, with uh, Johnny Nocash and the Celtic Outlaws. Yeah. We, we would, we always wanted to do the like softer kind of like more low key style stuff. Yeah. But we only really booked those like super, like hard rock type shows. Really, we had a couple of them. Um, yeah. Uh, but I would just like okay, I'm just gonna use kick snare. Hi-hat, yeah something like that but we always wanted to do something a little more low-key and some of the recordings you know ended up being a lot more like percussion based than full drum kit yeah right so he always pressured me to try to get a cajon or yeah something i i tambourine and shaker that was yeah. always a part of my toolkit yeah it's good you to know, have for sure cowbell. You, never know. you gotta have a cowbell <laughs> you oh, rock the cowbell not in that band no oh no, no that band it, man Cowbell's fucking <laughs> sick. <laughs> I mean, I have nothing against cowbells, you know. But uh, no, that band is uh, very, like, they don't use amps. Everything is acoustic, right? So, yeah. So that yeah. band's very fun. It's, that's a lot of, that band is, like, a very uh, enjoyable. Yeah. Something very different from what I've done, right? Like, over the years, I've done a lot of, like, like, I've done, like, rock, metal, you know, jazz, but everything is kind of um, from, like, that kind of rock background where it's, like, you know, the, even from, like, a, like, even volume wise, right? You have amps and stuff like so. Like you're kind of basing your levels around the drums. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of that yeah. in that kind of school, uh, music wise. Whereas the Celtic band, I have to kind of fit in because like, essentially, like the acoustic guitar is doing, is kind of laying the backbeat down for that music. Yeah, it's and very I'm kind of yeah. and I'm kind of just like, adding some spice. I'm not like laying down the beat really yeah. from that band. So it's different. It's actually like I've been very very fun. Uh, and you guys uh, actually performed with an orchestra recently. Yep. Uh, yeah. International Symphony. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the full name. Uh, in Sarnia, though. Uh, yeah. So it's the International Symphony Orchestra. It's in. Okay. Uh, I was. I wasn't far off. I got all the words. Yeah, you're very close. You're very yeah. close. It's actually kind of okay. confusing. So it's weird. Yes. So, so, right on the border uh, between Canada and the U.S., there's Sarnia, Ontario, and then Port Huron, Michigan. And they're just mm-hmm. across the the bridge, right? Across yeah. the river, and uh, so the International Symphony Orchestra. It's like uh, half the people are from the U.S. side, and half the people are from the Canada side. Oh, okay, so cool. It's kind of a weird thing. So we played one show at the theater in Sarnia, mm-hmm. and then the next night we played at the theater in Port Huron. That's awesome. How? Yeah, it was very cool. How was that playing? Like how how different was it from playing your usual set uh, with them than with a full orchestra? That was with the Steel City. You know, that was rovers with the Rovers, well. yeah. yeah. So with the Rovers, it was. Um, so like there was a couple of songs that we did that we wrote, or well, not we, but like Mark from the Rovers wrote mm. f- specifically for that. So it'd be like, because yeah. some of the music with the Rovers, it's like original music, like with like lyrics and stuff like that, like songs, and then some of that music is like old. Um, traditional stuff that's like you know 200 300 years old some of these pieces so they yeah. kind of put them together like okay four cool. or five of these old kind of tunes so nice um so it was different in the in the in the fact that like um you know there's some different pieces but in terms of playing like the regular steel city rover stuff that we do it was kind of tricky because we had to meet in the middle timing wise with the orchestra 
Right. Okay. Because <laughs> um, because if you listen to like an orchestra, they won't play like metronomically, like tight no. to like a grid. Everything's very fluid, right? So yes, there's course. a conducter that's uh, you know, he, conducting he, them. Yeah, he keeps the time for everybody, but it's it's very like up and down as far as very the much BPMs so. go, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and and that's the thing too. It's we have to kind of like watch the conductor because he's keeping everyone in line, mm-hmm. but also with that too is. He's also like he's not just dictating like a metronome type thing like yeah he's also like there's like an you can tell he's bringing it up or bringing it down or he's he'll be like dictating to like the string section in the back like you know like uh, you guys come up more and there's all these like gestures that they all know from the symphony world that yeah. they're all okay that means this right yeah. whereas yeah. me I'm watching him I'm like is he keeping a beat there is like what's he trying to say kind of thing right, right. so yeah it was a, it was a challenge but it was very cool like just the just being able to um hear you know on my my right side it, was, it sounded like a movie soundtrack playing along with our songs like live like that was so cool oh, yeah it was wow. very cool it was it was a very neat experience I would totally do it again yeah yeah. And is there any footage of that online yep. or anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got okay. some on my YouTube channel and uh, I got some on the, uh, there's some on the Steel City Rovers channel as well. Awesome. We'll toss yeah. links to those yeah. down below. Go check Absolutely. it out. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So perfect segue. Yeah. Uh, let's just keep moving. Uh, yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Uh, you host a YouTube channel yeah. along with a friend of yours. What's his uh, yeah. What's his name? So he's uh, called Jarrett Lowry. Jarrett Lowry. Okay. The guitar player of my very first band way back in the day, Death March. <laughs> Death March. Yeah. It's still way yeah. Go? yeah the wow. two of us have always kind of been uh, partners in crime there, just doing re- various projects over the years and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So. Now, what's that YouTube channel called? So that's so Blackbridge can... Sound. So. Awesome. That's... Go check that out. We'll toss links to yeah. that as well. Yeah. Uh, and you do all kinds of. Uh, drum covers from there as well. Yeah, as... and in my house as well. Yeah, I, got like I know you're setup. posting content like crazy. Yeah, like... it's just been fun. You know, I kind of yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, enjoyable. I just make stuff that I like and yeah. yeah and fun. you guys also do gear reviews as well. Yeah, like a lot of that type of stuff. So yeah, the, kind of the concept behind that uh, behind that channel, and this is kind of like a long story. I'll try to keep it uh, as as as. Uh, as uh, brief yeah as brief as I can <laughs> there but so that one it kind of came about so when I was growing up my dad ran a recording studio here in Hamilton oh sick so my dad was like an engineer drummer as well but like mm-hmm. kind of mainly an engineer and uh, he used to record on ADAT if anyone oh, yeah. knows what that is oh yeah um, and at some one of the point, first recordings I did were yeah ADAT old school well. yeah uh-huh. and uh, well, and he was recording on two inch as well so he had the studio okay. in Hamilton he's since passed away but um, a lot of the, some of the old gear was kind of laying around was left over from from when he had the studio so yeah. like the old mixing board the old Alesis x2 mixing board that we still have um we uh kind of took all that out to jared's place in waterford because he oh, built nice. the studio in his basement mm-hmm. kind of designed it and stuff and cool That's yeah sick. so it's kind of like part of like my dad's studio still lives on with some of his old gear and uh, part of it we've built ourselves so it's kind of like a cool little combination of of everything yeah it's pretty cool that's awesome man and none of us are like the whole concept behind that channel is like none of us like none of us went to school for engineering or anything like that neither one Mm -hmm. of us uh essentially neither one of us know what we're doing with engineering so (laughs) we don't know what we're doing but these are our thoughts well pretty much because a lot of times you go on youtube if you want to find gear reviews you'll have like you know here's a you know review from let's say glenn frick or specter specter sound whatever right yeah so if he's reviewing a piece of gear, like let's say it's a drum mic pack, and he, he'll he make it sound amazing, right? Mm-hmm. 
but then there's also like 30 years experience in there that the average person watching these gear reviews doesn't have. So it's more like the idea of the channel is we're like giving like a, we're like peers of the people that would be watching more so than like we're teaching them something. It's kind of right. like, we're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like here is, here is it in yeah. the practical format and mm -hmm. this is what we think. And then you can yeah. kind of make up your mind. Yeah. The results that uh, we get out of a piece of gear are similar to what the average person would get because you know, right. if you get like a review from some super professional engineer guy, mm -hmm. there's 30 years experience probably there. There's X amount of dollars in, other gear that it's all running through. So you're not going right. to get the similar results. Yeah. So, well, I've noticed that too, like even with, uh, seeing guitar plugin companies mm -hmm. and stuff like that, I know it's a drum podcast, but yeah. you know, like, yeah. uh, and they'll be like, oh yeah, like listen to the tone you can get and it's in a full mix and everything. I'm like, yeah, but that's a fully mixed by a professional. Yeah. Like what, what is the raw tone actually sound like? Like all these like commercials and ads and everything, they just show you, like the best possible outcome yes right when it's like eh, is it that good like come on yeah right? it's kind of it's not like misleading but it's kind of misleading at the same time yeah. in a way because it's right. like the average joe is not going to get that sound necessarily in yeah. there in their basement or their yeah. their second bedroom or whatever even right? with uh drum plugins like midi drum stuff oh, and everything when they do these demos it's like oh yes is it fully mixed and it sounds incredible because they went through and did all the detail work when the mm. average person say a guitar player yeah. who wants to just do midi drums for uh, a demo he has it's not going to sound as good because he doesn't understand how the velocities work exactly. as well as, as a drummer might and, you mm -hmm. know, everything like, or, or even a drummer might not understand in a plug-in format how all of that, that works to make it sound natural. Yeah. Right. Like dynamics and which is basically your velocity settings are the biggest part of how to make those MIDI drum packs like sound really good. Mm -hmm. You know, other than that, it just sounds like a machine. Exactly. Nobody's a machine. Like no, well. and and it's and that's and it's hours and hours and hours of like of a learning curve to get to that level. De you know, years of, to get to that level, right? Of like what these professionals are kind of doing, right? Right. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Big time. You know, like there. most people don't uh, like start even really making a living until like ten years in to a career exactly. in audio. Yeah. You know, it takes that long to fully yeah. grasp everything. Yeah. So it's, yeah, there, there's a lot to learn. It's really nerdy stuff. Oh, I, for sure. I had some conversations in the last week with some people and it's just like, wow, I need, <laughs> I need to be more of a nerd. Oh, <laughs> like, there's so, I need uh, to nerd out a lot more. There is so much to it to record. It's like an mm -hmm. endless, well, drumming is the same. There's so much to it. You're never going to like, I know everything. There's a, there's a never ending yeah. curve. Right. And that's why, you know, even for me, like, my partner at the studio, Jarrett, he's, uh, he's the one that kind of handles like the, the engineering side of things more than, yeah. like I was saying, like more than myself. Mm -hmm. I'm more of like the idea guy. I'm the video editor, but he does oh, all yeah. the audio. You do video, that. eh? I do nice. all the video editing on, on that. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I'm not like, uh, mixing and all that doesn't really come naturally to me mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah. Whereas Jarrett, he's kind of more that's more his personality kind of thing but like well, it's great that you have a matching pair like you're you totally got the video editing stuff down he has the audio side down yeah that's oh totally great fit great yeah fit. like he's more of um i would say not the, you know he's more of a technical guy just in, mm -hmm. in general in life yeah. and uh, i'm more of like a creative 
Yeah. So I'm more of the idea guy. He's more like the technical, let's figure it out. And then we kind of, you know, we've got a good working, uh, you know, partnership where we kind of meet in the middle and yeah. we each have different skill sets. So it works out well. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the, uh, one of the most recent, uh, videos yeah. that you guys posted on the EAD 10. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty your cool. little review, like, does the room matter? And it's like, kind of not at all. It's kind of perfect. Well, like, for, for that, because that microphone sensor is right on the, it's right, it's, it's right there. Inches away from all, from the snare, inches from away from everything. Yeah. Cause I use that a lot for live, um, with the, the Iron Maiden tribute band. Just for monitoring or? Yeah, like, so we run, like, some tracks and stuff um, with mm -hmm. that band, like, intros to songs, and there's a couple of things where I, like, there's, like, a like just a keyboard pad. So yeah. Maiden, Maiden doesn't use a click live. Um, no, obviously not. Or, or no. Maiden doesn't use a click in general. Yes. So, but no, like they don't anymore, no. Well, they never did ever, actually, back in the, even way back in the they day. They ne never, ever, Maiden right? has never used a click. Well, yeah. I know now that they, uh, ever since, I, I want to say it was Dance of Death, yeah. They started recording everything live as a band, all live off yeah, the floor. Yeah. And then they just like dub in some vocals and solos. But like since yeah. Dance of Death on, it's all been live off the floor. Maiden's kind of just, like this weird like anomaly in music that, you know, there's all, you know, there's so many advancements in like, you know, recording technology over the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. And Maiden has essentially never really, they've just done yeah, what they care. do and they have not changed ever. Like it's, it's kind of cool in yeah. a way, right? They've, they've just, just gone more old school. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they're so, so like we have a few things live. Um, we're just a couple keyboard parts, like in Alexander the Great specifically. Yeah. Um, there's a couple keyboards where it's, we're not going to get someone to come on stage and check a whole keyboard and, you know, just, just for, for a, one part, an intro to a song yeah. essentially. Right. So, so what I use the EAD 10 for, I just like to hear myself a little bit. Yep. 100%. So, cause with that band, um, if you hit, you can hit too hard. Um, I, at least I find on drums and, uh, um, and you can kind of burn yourself out. I mm -hmm. find. So if I can hear myself a little bit, I kind of just dial it back a little bit i can relax a little bit more yeah i can just bring up the level if i need so but i found i can record with the e8010 i actually um i was pretty blown away by how from night to night it sounds the same yeah that band mm -hmm. because where the mics are where that microphone is for the e8010 it uh you're not getting a lot of room sound because it's like you're right in the mix of where the drums are right so well exactly yeah, yeah. actually that's great because i know guys who will just set up uh like if they don't do all in-ear monitoring yep. stuff they will set up a like one mic to the side of the drums mm -hmm. just to get a little bit of the drum like the overall kit sound yeah uh and it's great like oh for, for sure. me i have everything mic'd all going into my ears and I can adjust levels of each tom individually. Like sure. I can make my mix. We have uh, compression and EQ and reverbs on. Like I can yeah. set everything, so I can make my mix sound like really sick in my ears. But it does miss mm -hmm. a little bit of that stage sound. You yes. know, like it sounds almost too polished, too album type, mm -hmm. and not enough of like live feel right. so i even want to stick a mic just on the stage pointed at the drums or something just to get stage and audience sound yeah because our ears are so like just like focused on the instruments mm -hmm. that even when we stop a song you can see people cheering or yelling or oh. well, hopefully anyways yeah uh and <laughs> but you can't really hear it right it doesn't pick it up 
Yeah. So uh, this has nothing to do with the EAD 10. No, no, fair enough. But, you know, it, it is great that night to night, though, because we still have to adjust our ears night to night, depending on the venue, everything's going to sound slightly different. Right. Yeah. But that, it sounds like it's a great idea for anyone who just wants you know to hear yourself it yeah. gives you a really good image of your kit absolutely without like yeah yeah with with the, it doesn't matter what room you're in you're exactly gonna get the same thing that it's consistency and it's convenient right because some some bands i've, I've mm-hmm. played with they the, a lot of bands run like the whole uh and this is only in the last f- maybe few years but they run like they'll bring like a what is it called the behringer x32 yeah that's everyone's run. running through that kind of thing so yeah Essentially, like for guitars, it's easy. You can just run like direct out of the back. You know, the, well, maybe it's not easy, but you know, a lot of you can. Guitar technology is kind of like you can. There's there's ways to get like that signal easily to everybody else, right? Whereas drums, it's like you can have that E eighty ten, and it just direct out of the back into whatever your you know your mixer is the X thirty two. Yeah, or, you could just do. Or yeah. You could. Uh, I used to use a uh, a little like eight channel um, Mackie. I think oh it's yeah. a Mackie mixer. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's right down there. Oh, there you um, go. That's what I used for years because I would have all the click tracks running into that. Oh yeah. And then I would get a send either either I just unplug the uh, the monitor the drum wedge and yeah. just plug it right in. Yeah. Uh, or I, I would get a send from front of house, right. plug it into there. But then I'd always have my uh, triggers for my kicks going directly out there's two outputs so one goes there one goes to front of house okay and then i send my clicks out of that um or like the sample side to front of house as well so it's a pretty bare bones simple setup compared to like what we're running now okay with all the in-ear stuff and rack and dude it's it's hard because we're doing we're doing a fly out gig in uh in April, April fifteenth, we're going. We're playing Hyperspace uh, Metal Festival in Vancouver. Oh yeah, and we're like, you got to really condense what you're bringing. Yeah, that's the thing. We're we're kind of lucky right now because uh, at first we're like, wow, like we're gonna end up spending like so much money just on baggage because we have to bring all our in ears, our whole rack, everything. Because like now we're reliant on the setup. We don't use amps. Oh. We don't use like anything like that. They, the guys use like a, a little uh, Line 6 HX Stomp pedal, and that goes directly in. That's their guitar tone. You know, really? Everything's digital. There's no know? amps on stage, eh? No amps on stage. Huh. None. So we're like, fuck, what, what do we do? Because we have yeah. two big cases that we have to bring at 50 pounds each, you know, and like that's our whole rig, but for going out and playing you know like a 30 minute set in vancouver it's like it's a lot to haul around so luckily our good friends in lords of the trident are touring out and they have the exact same setup as us so so you can plug into theirs kind of so yeah we're just gonna create a scene based on their outputs or inputs uh and then load our scene into their x32 we just plug everything in, yeah. away we go, and then we can we have all our mixes that we create here, live there, yeah. and it's beautiful. Right. I love it that every band, like a lot of bands are switching over to this, mm-hmm. so it's just universal. Yeah. You show up with one unit, every band just loads their scene into it, That's pretty sweet. over. Like, dude, it's, it's so sick. That is yeah. going to be a, you know, it, it is wild to see, like, even since I've started playing live, 
and now like just the advancements in technology that's available is pretty pretty phenomenal it's pretty wild it's insane yeah Yeah. it's crazy i love it and i also hate it oh for sure Uh, for sure because for us too like we're playing big stages small stages like yeah everything the small stages really suck for this setup because there's no amps on stage if you're right up front you're just hearing drums oh right yeah i guess it's cool for me right (laughs) (laughs) it's fine for me like i don't care uh like the people get what they want what they came to see and that's yeah me shredding drums but uh you know for the guitar solos it's like mm, take a couple steps back you know (laughs) yeah when i saw you guys live i heard i had a good mix but I'm, i'm i'm too old to be at the front of uh you know right. metal concerts these days uh, yeah you know so i was at the back i had a good mix so i yeah yeah it sounded good so everyone coming out to shows stand at the back well or in the middle <laughs> or in the middle depends just don't go right up to the front it sounds terrible unless you or anybody who likes drums which should be basically all of you yeah. Um, yeah anyone listening to this front. podcast probably yeah uh, yeah pretty yeah. much yeah. yeah i've talked to a bunch of people good friends of mine and stuff like yeah why would i listen to your podcast it's <laughs> i don't care about drums i'm like it's not it's more about <laughs> hanging out you know <laughs> right and that's why this is you know fun to just sit here and then shoot the breeze about drums you know yeah, yeah we, is, we've never really you know drums, we've known so. each other for, for a long time but never mm. really spent like never really done this had like a full hangout session so yeah. it's kind of nice to uh i actually speaking of um, I wanted to talk about the first time that I think that maybe we had met before, okay, but the yeah. first time we really had contact that I recall yeah. was 2012 yeah. Opera House. At the Opera House, yeah. Uh, you were playing for Aether Born okay, uh, yeah. and my band Crimson Shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were both opening for Dragon Force. Yes. And that was uh, Dragon Force vocalist's first show. Yeah, North it was America. right when he joined. Yeah the, yeah, the new guy. The first North American show. He had like strep throat or something like that. Yeah. Too. I remember it was like <laughs> a big, a big thing backstage and everything. And uh, we we didn't talk all that much, but we kind of kept in contact after yes. that. Yeah. You know, uh, and then fast forward. That was, I think, October. Okay. Uh, to, I want to say it was july june or july of 2013 uh i was going to play valken for the valken metal battle yeah and we started talking again and then you brought up lost cabos drumsticks to me did i okay yeah 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 you did i remember where i was when we were kind of messaging each other and you're like dude you gotta try lost cabos drumsticks they're so sick it's a great like small family-run company blah 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 all this stuff you know they probably love to have you on board yeah uh because you were with them at that point already yeah Yeah, i remember yeah yeah when, when you mentioned that to me before i looked back through our old uh conversations there through oh, facebook yeah? i scrolled yeah, yeah. back and i was like oh that's wild yeah yeah i kind of had no recollection of that until you mentioned it yeah and that yeah. kind of uh that was like a big thing for me because mm-hmm. i went out i tr- i bought a couple pairs i yeah. tried them i loved them got in contact with phil and ever since or no it was a different it artist was a different guy yeah it was, so it was a guy yeah. named matt at the time i remember that right. i remember yeah i remember i, I remember this it kind of came back to me after you mentioned it before mm-hmm. i was like um, okay, yeah, I remember because I remember. I remember. Well, first off, I was like impressed. Like when I saw you guys play, 
um, at that show. I remember it was, it was, it was you know, a very impressive show. So I was like, oh, that's cool. And we were, just, we were keeping keeping in contact there. And then uh, that kind of came up. And I remember just sending Matt an email, being like, hey, this band's cool. I think they're going to do do well. And uh, you should mm-hmm. sign this dude or whatever kind of thing. And oh, get him wow. So, yeah. Well, thanks, so I'll get man. my... Uh, I'm wait, still waiting for my residual uh, checks here, you know, for... Uh, yeah, well, you, you, you take that up with that Phil. Up. Take yeah, that yeah, up yeah. with Phil, you know. Phil, if you're uh, watching, yeah, just... Uh, I'm waiting for yeah. I'm waiting for mine, man. So yeah, yeah. hey, you know, I, t- I take uh, Venmo and all that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. PayPal. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's all, all, I'll just take some free sticks. You know, yeah, there you go. At this yeah. point, uh, no, but, that's that's cool. That's that's wild. Eh, how things you know, ten years later or fifteen or however, however yeah. many years it is now. Yeah, because I know as soon as I got back from from Valken is yep. when um, I I quote unquote signed the deal with. Uh, Los Cabos and yep. been with them ever since. Yeah, and dude, it's it's been the greatest thing. Like now, I'm I'm also with Mapex, but like yep. that, like having your first endorsement deal For is sure. like you don't you don't forget that. You yeah. know, the first time that you actually get a message back from a company mm-hmm. that you love playing their product, and they're like, yeah, we'd love to have you on board. It's like, yeah me really yeah oh, it's like it's that moment is just like wow it's okay. a cool thing and, it's awesome. and especially for sticks right it's like the kind yeah. of thing that it's a it's a part that where it's something that you go through them right like mm-hmm. drums it's probably less of a not less i, I shouldn't uh, demean it in any way but it, it's i would say with drums the biggest part of it is getting them around so yes. the best part look at that amateur hour over here oh my god Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. Professional. We're professional. That's ah, all good. It's um all good. so the biggest part is like getting them around. And yeah. so I I've flown out to Montreal to record. Yeah. And Mapex is like, okay, we have this kit waiting for you at this music store. You just gotta pick it up and that's it. And then when I go to Europe to do a tour, they're like, okay, we work with these backline companies. Yeah. Just you contact them and, and you'll get it all set up. And then the mm-hmm. same thing when I'm going to the States, you know, I just uh, emailed the company today, be like, hey, you know, I got in contact with their artist, the Mapex rep in the States, and he got me in touch with the backline company, you know, that can help me out. So that's the big, that's the biggest part about yeah. a drum. Like for, for me, sure. I'm not looking for free drums. No. It's nice to get uh, a little discount on, you know, new snare drums. I have a beautiful oh, Mapex sure. kit. I'm completely happy with at this point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just when I'm traveling not having to worry about like well how am i going to get my kit mm-hmm. to that first show cuz our our biggest thing right now with this tour in may which uh i'll be touring with Lotharo uh in alongside may. the alongside Ailstorm and Gloryhammer. Heard of them. Dates below there all of of the United States May 5th through 28th come hang out uh because uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the largest part percentage of the audience of We're Talking Drums is in the United States. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. I didn't know that until recently. So thanks, guys. All Very my cool. American fans, you rule. Um, but the biggest thing is like we have an RV that we're taking down. And okay. then we're sharing a trailer with Glory Hammer. Okay. So we don't have a lot of space for gear heading down there 
then once we get to the first show, then all of our gear will be in the trailer. But getting down there, I don't know if I can fit my whole kit yeah. in the RV. So I'm like, okay, you know, and then even coming back as well. So I, I contacted my, um, actually my Mapex rep here contacted me when he saw the show announcement, the tour announcement. He's like, yo, I'll get you in contact. Hopefully I can get you a kit for the tour. Like, dude, this is why right. I love him so much. Yeah. Big shout out to Craig at, at, uh, Mapex Canada. You are fucking awesome, dude. Where, where does where does the tour start and end? It starts in Charlotte, North Carolina, okay. and ends in something Springs, something I don't know. I don't Disney have Disney Springs. There. No, it's uh, <laughs> MD. What's MD? Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Silver Springs. Silver okay. Springs, Maryland, is where it ends. I don't think that's too far from each other. Actually, I don't think that's too no. Bad. It's uh, both like East Coast, so you can drop it off area. Uh, so if we got to pick it up somewhere and drop it off, hopefully it's not that big of an issue. Or if I got to deal with transportation costs, which sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll typically a lot of backline companies will like drop it off and pick it up from venues. At least I know in Europe they yeah. do that. Yeah. So I'm hoping they can help me out. I'm waiting to hear back. Just send it in cross. an Uber. That's uh, why not? Done, man. There you go. That's it, man. Well, Uber couple. Uber XL? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uber me yeah. a drum kit. That, yeah. that, that's one thing I do not uh, take uh, for granted about the Celtic band is um, we use a very small setup mm-hmm. with that band. Like I, I don't know if you've seen any of the like the pics, pictures or whatever, but uh, I use like that Pearl Compact Traveler bass drum. Oh, okay. So it's Sick. just the one head. So it's like, it just yeah. fits in a cymbal bag, like very condensed setup. I can essentially, yeah. I can pretty much uh, two trips, I can have the whole kit like if i have uh like just myself carrying the kit and then like one other guy helping i yeah. can carry it like everything that's amazing yeah it's awesome yeah unlike me that's just like yeah. okay wait <laughs> like a whole kit and well, wait there's two kick drums yeah fuck off <laughs> you know? well with with well with, it's different like with the metal th- and and rock context of things right because mm-hmm. you have so much there's so much more sound right we have to all, a lot of these a lot of that band plays a lot of like you know, Highland Games festivals and yes. and Irish festivals. So you're kind of sneaking through crowds. Like it's kind of weird. It's a bit more like, um, a bit more like nomadic in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's, I know, feel there's, yeah. It's 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 there. There won't be like an infrastructure. Like a lot of the places you'll be playing, in like a rock or metal context. There's like an established like there's the stage. And there is like the, the PA system and everything. A lot of times with these Celtic shows, it's like you could be popping up and playing in a church to. 30 people you could be going and playing a highland games festival for thousands of people like it's like yeah. kind of all over the place so it's like um i don't really know where i was going with that but it's like you can kind of um you have to kind of scale down quite a bit with that band and there's no amps or anything with that band or like, yeah it's all so you can't be, so. yeah if you had a full big rock kit you'd yeah. just be drowning out everyone yeah you know it'd be like if you're front row at a Lothoro concert yeah you yeah know? same you know? <laughs> Yeah, so when I when I show up, to, when I start loading the drums up into the car to go play with uh, the Maiden tribute band, I definitely am like, oh, Why? this is a lot different from the Celtic band. Yeah. Cause, uh, All right, are you guys true like Maiden? Do you have like sixteen toms and, and no. everything? No. Um, well, yes and no. Uh, more so, no. Um, <laughs> more I, on the no side. <laughs> um, in terms of like the kit, no, I use like um, I have like the three rack toms and the floor tom, like a. A uh, single bass. I only use the one bass drum, like Nico. Yeah. You no, no double pedal. No, no, no double pedal. No. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's probably some songs that are pretty tricky. Oh, it's brutal. So yeah. hard. And I'm not a great mm-hmm. foot guy. 
like right. yourself <laughs> in general, right? Like, uh, but no, that band we, uh, um, because we're all like all all of us are like maiden nerds. It's all of our favorite bands, yeah. Uh, and that, and yeah. so it's kind of uh, we try to keep it true to the to the vibe, but it's also we have like logistical constraints, you know, stage size, and of course, I'm yeah. not about to go buy a you know a nine tom uh, <laughs> drum set. Yeah, you know, and the with, deep guys too. Like, his oh, songs they're are monsters, huge, man. I'm not putting oh. the ride symbol right here, you know. No, no. I did that for a while. Eh? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's in I a think, cool spot actually. But. Yeah, I did it. I so I had uh, three rack toms. Yeah. Uh, as well, and I put it in between the second and third, so it was like right there. And I loved it. Now looking at photos of it, I was like, that looks really dumb. Like it looks it, really silly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like well, I know Mike Harshaw used to do a Harshie, similar yeah. thing, but it was beside the third one. So it was still off to the side, but it was yeah. up higher. I don't know if he still I don't think he still does that, but he did that for a while. I'm not sure, yeah. He's uh he's always kind of tinkering around with different setups. Yeah. Harshie's a great guy, sick. yeah. He's got a yeah. he's got a nice uh nice setup. Yeah. I play hockey with him actually. Oh dude. Yeah, yeah. We me and me and Harshie go like way back to like way back like probably oh six oh five or something like that yeah yeah i would say great guy i because i played i think the first crimson shadow show in toronto which would have been in oh six um we played with nexus were they called Nexus or were they called Lacerated Sky? Ooh, That's wow. That's like old they were, school. No, they were Nexus. So I really, didn't get eh? some, okay. Yeah, they were Nexus, yeah. I think I met Harshie in like, I think it would have been 04. Yeah? Okay. 04, maybe 05. They were called Lacerated Sky at the time. And he still did a drum solo every single set? I think he did. I can't yeah, remember, but yeah, we were playing like these, like super. Do you remember Supernova? Like, was yeah, that, like, of course. It was like scam, <laughs> like promoter things. Yeah, yeah. Like, we never what... did them because we played in a band before that called Swords of Scorn, and that's when we did the Supernova shows. And then once we started Crimson Shadows, we were like, nope, not doing we any more. Not doing that. We're getting paid yeah. for shows. For, for five anyone, dollars, yeah. five drink tickets. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, for anyone listening, Supernova is like this kind of like sham promotion thing that. Uh, Dude, they still they, exist. They're still around. Not okay. No, no, no not Supernova, but companies like, like that. that. Okay, I know there's one out of Toronto that I won't name names sure. that operate of one specific venue. Okay, that still go on the Supernova type of system. Oh. Right. So we'll talk after. Yeah. I don't want to call. Yeah. Them no. Here, for but, sure. Mm. <laughs> but no. This. This. Uh, they. Um. They. They would get a lot of like these younger high school bands to sell tickets and then pay them essentially nothing. <laughs> There'd be uh, like twenty bands playing these shows. It was fun. But, but it, it was, was a competition too. Yeah. It was like you a battle of the bands. You, it was like a battle well, of you, the bands. Yeah. You won. What you would win was you get to go to the next round and play the next well, show. No. A lot of times it was like was recording it? time and stuff oh, like that at oh. this like shitty studio with an engineer that didn't want to be there. And right. like it was just the worst possible. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, oh, you get eight hours of recording time. Yeah. And like I know now it's like, wow, we can set up and like tune a drum kit and get tones in that time yeah you know like if we're actually doing it like it, it probably <laughs> takes at least four or five hours just to get the drums like oh sounding sure. right and good it's like we can maybe record half a song yeah you know? but <laughs> dude back then uh yeah. i think we actually won i think we got second place one time and won like six hours of recording time didn't even follow up on it oh yeah he didn't like, even yeah. bother we were just like <laughs> ah, fun cool like we we were I was five years younger. I was actually, at one point, I was nine years younger than the vocalist in the band. Okay. So it was with my brother, who's five years older, and his best friend in high school. 
Um, and so like, that's when we started the band and I was like the younger brother coming in, I played bass. So really? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I played bass until about two weeks into Crimson Shadows. Uh, <laughs> and then I, uh, we couldn't find a drummer. We auditioned three guys. I think I've said it on the podcast before, but we auditioned three different drummers. None of them could do what we wanted, what we asked. And it was just like the simple, like, uh, beats like that, that, right. Like what thrash basically kinda. like what dragon force would play, okay. you know, yeah. like the, those like 200 BPM, uh, yeah. bomb blasts, uh, double kick. And then those fast, like thrashy beats, you know, and so no you, one could do it. So really, so you were always able to kind of do that? Like at, at your, well, if that can, I, came naturally to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I knew what I had to do. Um, okay. I understood the concept of it. I'd listened to the music for so long and I, you know, was writing the music. I knew what the beat needed to be in my head. It was just fleshing it out on the kit. I played right. for a hardcore band for a little under a year at that point. On drums or bass? On drums. On drums. Okay. Yeah. It was just a fun, like party core band. We actually like had some small label contracts in the works before okay. the band kind of fell apart and we're supposed to do like as Canadian they do tour yeah. <laughs> and, you know but it was like a uh i was just out of high school but it was like end of high school for the rest of the band like they, like we we formed while they were in like grade 12 you know it's like a high right. school kind of type of project that kind of when everybody went opposite ways like yeah. you know is what it is super fun and i'd love to get together with those guys and make music oh yeah but 20 years know. later, 15 years later, Dude, right? Seriously. Yeah. yeah. I got together with a guitar player. Like, um, when I got back from Europe and you know, we were hanging out it was like, just, yeah. you know, great times, man. I love those guys. Love them to cool. death, man. That's cool. But, uh, yeah. And then I just started playing for Crimson like right after that. So Wild. I was like, I have to, I have to play fast. So all my technique went out the window. Cause I'm like, I just got to play fast and on time. That's it. So you know what though? <laughs> I think that if anything that, I think that probably helped you because like if speed was such a, you know, priority for you that early in the game, it, that was your focus was trying to get as efficient as possible probably. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know how I did it. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely strained some of my muscles that yeah. I've within the last five years, I'm trying to like reteach myself better technique and like, I even find times when uh, when I'm playing now that like certain things my is mainly my left side, my left wrist, my left ankle, my left knee. Yeah. That um, I probably pushed myself a little too hard. Yeah. Early on and did some damage, so I'm trying to like recover and and find ways that don't hurt the play. Sure. Fast, yeah. Oh, yes. You know, because getting up to two ten, two twenty, you know, is it's pretty quick. It's not as fast as like the extreme death no, guys, no, but, but like it's still a fast tempo it's a fast, to be playing hard. Yeah, that kind of area so. where you don't need triggers, kind of like that two hundred and twenty ish, and and that's kind of like I call that like the crim, yeah, kind of tempo range where he's right? like yeah. it's fast, it's but it's like it's hard too. Yeah, because a lot of the, when you get up there like the two fifty like that kind of range and up right, it's a lot of people that are you know using double strokes kind of thing or heel toe or yeah or what or you know different things so they've they've they, they've gone kind of come so efficient that it's like almost e they they make it easy for them not make it easy for themselves it probably sounds like condescending but to, to play at that crazy of a tempo you you're have exerting, to be super yeah, yeah you're not exerting as much energy yeah right? whereas that 200 so. bpm range you got to give her 
sure the whole time. Like it's you yeah. got to be efficient, but you also it, it's it's not easy. It's, it's definitely yeah, yeah. It's not. It's awkward. No. For but sure. I love like two hundred is my comfortable range. You know, like I, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually practicing yesterday. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm curious if you have a practice routine, but I'm, I'll tell you what <laughs> mine is. And I use this years ago yeah. when I was, uh, there was this band called Starkill that, uh, okay. from Chicago and they had asked me to do, to, to put possibly do some touring, uh, for them. Their drummer couldn't do it. Okay. And, uh, we were good buddies and I was like, e, like I, I think so. Like the time is fine. Like going yeah. away and touring is fine, but like there's some of their stuff was fast, yeah. like 240, yeah. you know, like range. And I'm like, I don't know if I can play it. And they're like, ah, you'll be fine, man. You're good. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. so I was, I, I had this routine that to build up my BPMs and get them tight and up to that speed where I would start at, I think at, back then I'd start at like 180. And I do eight, eighth notes for a bar and then 16th for a bar, eighth notes for a bar, 16th for two bars. And I build it up to, to 16 bars uh, of straight 16th. Yeah. Uh, and then I would up it to 190. Yeah. And then do that whole thing. Uh, all the while as well is uh, I would be switching my hands while I get, while I'm doing the 16. This is the, the biggest thing that I found was uh one when you're doing straight 16ths instead of just doing like a simple like half or whole note on the snare yeah switching up your hands right you know as but keeping your feet consistent because it's always those changes that you're i found my feet kind of stumble yeah you, you're it's kind of a balance it. thing right? right yeah so as you're playing every bar every two bars switch what your hands are doing you know, go into a blast or go into like uh, your snare on the ands or, you know, something like that. Every other bar, but keep your feet consistent. So I would do that up until I get to 240. And like some days I would max out at 210. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting there. And then I would, you know, maybe repeat that again, you know, in full start at 180 and see where i can get up to yeah right uh and then you know sometimes once you get up to like 200 to 10 like maybe hold it a little longer you know do like 32 bars or something like that or uh so i'm starting to go through that process again because i'm finding my mid tempos my 160s 180s that's awesome that's a very awkward range there it's just a completely yeah. different muscle group mm -hmm. and my like shin muscles are burning like yeah. some of my calf muscles that I haven't really been working and I just sit there and I do uh I'll, I'll hit it like I'll start at 140 even and then I'll do two minutes straight of just 16 really and then go up to 150 two minutes straight wow. uh, I'm not counting bars or anything I'm just like two minutes and then when I see okay we're around yeah. two minutes stop put it up and then just straight just 200 you know, uh -huh. um, or just sixteenths, uh, all the way up to like two hundred to ten. I'm not, I'm not trying to push my B BBMs as much. Sure, uh, but you're trying uh, to tighten up those other ranges. Right, right. I yeah. know my two hundred, my two ten. I can lock that in. That's I'm your, uh, that's your bread and butter right there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about that. Um, yeah. It always takes work. It's always good to practice them, but like that's where I'm at with trying to tighten up 
my my mid tempo and build up that muscle memory muscle memory sure. again yeah so do you have any practice routines that you go through when you sit down at a kit or is it more just either rehearsing or jamming or just like having fun um like these days so it's it's funny you kind of say that so like we were going back to that yin and yang thing right how you're kind of mm-hmm. like you're working on your feet like that's like my like like so for me like i've never been like a double bass guy really like that's always been like kind of like my weak point okay is my feet um i've always like hand stuff has kind of come naturally to me right so yeah i i I feel like i'm a lot you know more more um that's always come not more naturally to me but like i've been working a lot on feet lately so like very limited success right (laughs) i've kind of been like fixing a lot of like posture type things with myself which is very important like even in life like so for last like i don't know if uh what it's called whatever but you know some people like they kind of lean back yeah and their core is not engaged and stuff like that like yeah okay i don't know what that's called but there's some people that's like they kind of lean forward too much and then some people that lean too far back and i i'm one of those like i always lean too far back so i've been trying to sort that out a little bit i'm more of a forward guy yeah see that's i'm the opposite awful like, this is probably the best it's been in a long time. See, I'm kind of like walking so. around. If you can see on the camera, I'm always kind of like this. So I've been trying to tighten up the old the abs uh, last little bit. And that's really helped with my uh, double bass because I've been kind of on this like double bass journey the last uh, couple years. Mm-hmm. And just like I, I quit every couple weeks. I'm like frustrated at it. <laughs> Dude, it sucks. It, it's hard. Yeah. And it doesn't come naturally. Like hand stuff for me, like for everything that I want to do, you know, music wise and in my head, like the hands have always been have come easy which is funny like i remember uh you know you know alex Rudd- rudinger yes rudinger. yes rudy so i had like a years ago when he first uh, started playing with threats and i had like a bit of a drum hang with him uh and oh, i remember nice. he was saying that um his feet came like naturally to him mm-hmm. like super easy and his hands were hard like it was difficult for his hands and i was like what like dude hands? i'm the, I'm hands like him are, you're like that my yeah. hands are, are garbage really always have been well, i don't i don't feel always like, you know. garbage yeah you think if, so if, okay even if it sounds and may look like it is, it's not fun for me. Really? My hands always feel like they're terrible. Yeah. There's maybe like one day a year that I'm like, oh, my hands oh, actually feel really yeah. good today. <laughs> you know? But like, yeah. no, they just, they always feel terrible. And they're so drastically different. Mm-hmm. Like, I know people say like one hand's weaker than the other, but yeah. like they, they just feel like completely like they're alien to each other. Like they're from different planets. I'm really? Like, eh? See, I'm yeah, like that dude, with feet. Like I've been kind of like reevaluating my whole foot technique for the last couple of years, and and it's hard. Like I've my technique's weird. Like I kind of like for what like for so long I was just kind of like going for volume essentially. Like with all yeah with any and and when I was younger I could kind of get away with a lot of stuff because I could just kind of just give her and right you know. yeah that's how but I now was. that I'm in my 30s it's like oh geez I gotta tighten everything up so I've been trying to really focus mm-hmm. on like always keeping the foot like firmly on the pedal yeah um trying to lean forward a lot more because I've been like watching other people's like technique yeah and all that mainly like the like my main uh, double bass guy that I I watch is uh is Krim like yeah so are you are you practicing the swivel no so like it's weird it's like (laughs) i'm like a weird case because like i have like this weird posture thing where i lean back too much also i kick like if i were to kick a soccer ball it would be with my left foot so i think i'm left-footed i also shoot hot like a shoot like hockey like right okay which is kind of weird like what's weird for being like a left-footed like it's strange yeah i'm backwards I, i play hockey left but i would golf i don't golf but i would golf 
yep. right-handed and I bat right-handed as well. Yeah. So I'm right-handed on that, but I play hockey left-handed. Yeah, it's it's weird. Doesn't make any it, sense. It's it's every, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing, right? Like everyone's kind of like got their own like weird little quirks that they have to like work out like mm -hmm. with with drumming, right? And it's yeah. just so that whole core and foot thing hasn't come naturally really to me. So that's kind of what I've been working on lately. Um, the last couple of years is getting that going. Um, to to answer your question about the practice routine, um, I don't really. I try to hit the metronome if I can. Yeah. Um, sometimes I just get fr get frustrated with it. Um. <laughs> Because not so much because of the metronome, like I can play in time, mm -hmm. but just getting my feet to do what I want them to do and it's just not working. It's hard. It's just be like, ah. <laughs> Dude, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Like even I'll go one day to the next. Yeah. Because like yesterday's when I was going through my practice routine, I got to 160 and I wanted to just give up. Yeah. I wanted to just walk away. <laughs> I'm like, what this hurts? Yeah. Like it shouldn't like yeah. this should be easy. I've been doing this for the last week consistently. And like the day before, it I I was like blowing through this and it was awesome. But today it's like it feels terrible. Yeah. And my feet are sloppy and I'm flaming all <laughs> over the place. You know? And then I got through it and then I went I go through the set after that. So that takes maybe about like 40 minutes of just like jamming and doing my i like to just like jam out as well while i'm playing and you yeah. know at certain bpms uh so it's about 40 45 minutes of that and then i'll take like a 10 minute rest and then i'll hop on and do uh the full set front to back which is okay. about an hour okay so yeah all in all it's like two hours of practice and then by the end of the set like i felt good i was yeah. like okay good then like this is this is okay i yeah. think i am improving <laughs> maybe yeah yeah that's the thing with like with it's 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 a physical thing drumming but it's also very mental as well like you have yeah, to kind of and with experience as you get older i mean although it's kind of contradictory to what i just said but give <laughs> i quit drums every you know a couple weeks or whatever but right but yeah. it's like it's it's learning to kind of just like steer through that and like you're gonna you're, you're probably just not having a on you're having an off day or you gotta mentally come back the yeah. next day yeah. and, i do yeah. i do find like if i'm not in the right headspace when i sit yeah. down at the kit it's not going to be a good day regardless yeah. you think so, so yeah uh, yeah and then sometimes you can get through it other times you you can't and you just gotta like okay it is what it is, really? uh, and I got to try again tomorrow. I guess you know, like. See, I've, I, I, it almost, happens. I almost feel like I'm the opposite. Sometimes I'll be like in the morning, I'm groggy, like oh, I don't really feel like playing the drums. Like, just want to sit and watch like yeah. some TV show or something. But then it's like as soon as I start kind of just playing a little bit, it's like oh, okay, I feel like yeah. it. Like it, it's almost like it's almost better if I go into it feeling rough. Yeah. Well, all right. It's when weird. I when I have set practice, yeah. When when I have set like these songs, and like I've played these songs so many times, and I'm like not feeling it. My muscles are tired. Mentally, I'm exhausted. It's fucking midnight. You know, <laughs> like I just want to be in bed, yeah. and I'm like, I gotta play this song again. Yeah. Like I know this song. It's fine. I can skip it. But no, it's like no, I have to play it because I have to get this muscle memory in. So when we go on the road. I don't have to think. I don't have yes. to do anything. My muscles do all the work for me. You yeah. know, put in the work ahead of time and you're going to perform that much better on tour. So I just, you just have to do it. But like, I don't know. Uh, like for me, if I sit down and I'm just like jamming, if I just can come up with melodies in my head and just play, I have a great time. 
you know, and it's super mm-hmm. fun. So sometimes when I sit down and I put on that click at, at 140, 150, I'll play, like, not worry about doing practice or anything like that. I'll just jam by myself for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Get in the groove, get a little warmed up, get loose, start feeling a little better about my playing. Yeah. Um, hopefully not drop any sticks or hit myself in the face. Hopefully, <laughs> but, yeah. It helps if you don't. Yeah. Right? That's the most <laughs> frustrating thing, man. Yeah. But uh, I'll do that before I start my practice. Right. And then I'll end with a little bit of that as well. So you start and end with something that's on just, a positive chill on a positive note. Yeah, note, that's right? smart. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I usually start like I'll just kind of play some some chill songs like at first just to get everything loose and just try to be as loose. and then I start kind of working on whatever I'm working on whether it's learning material for gigs or um or just working on like speed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I, I should probably f- finish with some chill stuff too, but yeah, sometimes I get off the kit, I'm like, oh, it sucked. What am I doing? Yeah, dude. If you ever feel that way, <laughs> just like, I don't know, just put some Disney songs on or Disney something. Disney songs, yeah. dude. I love the Frozen. Uh, yeah, those 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 are some serious like soundtracks. Yeah. yeah. Back when I was uh, streaming drums on Twitch, uh, I'm going to start doing that again soon. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I would just do Disney songs for like hey, why not? hours, man. Why put not? blast beats in them. It's super fun. Why not? Yeah. Super fun. They're catchy tunes. Oh, great. Great yeah. music. Yeah. That and like n- late 90s, early 2000s, like pop and R&B. Oh, yeah. Dude, there so you go. much fun to play, man. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. I love that stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. It just takes me back to like grade seven and eight high school, like, <laughs> like dances high school dances <laughs> yeah well all right not high school like well, elementary middle, school so you're or talking middle school for you people but yeah. are you talking like cisco like all those old kind of like, oh yeah tlc uh was that kind of the, the like, thong song oh that definitely kind of, yeah, yeah. That, that's oh, on yeah, your yeah, list yeah, yeah. that's on your oh, banger oh, list yeah no definitely man nice yeah uh and uh destiny's child yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah. all that uh j-lo uh, the list goes <laughs> on, man. I, I, I got a playlist that I rock. It's great. Yeah, That's cool. I'll send it to you. So. Yeah. I got, I got a bunch of playlists like on my Spotify. Like I have like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, like I have the like, Disney songs on a playlist. I have like, you know, I don't even I'm trying to think like, what, what was I playing to today? Like I got like a whole Zeppelin playlist, like a bunch of all my favorites, like Zeppelin songs. And yeah. Just like a rock playlist, like all kinds of, you know, I just kind of jam on a certain style. It's fun. eh? like, yeah, like I want to jam some Maiden. <laughs> yeah, you play Maiden all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like you got to learn those songs. For me, all right, all right. Speak, all right. Do yeah. you have uh, one song in the set list that you love playing, and another one that you hate playing in the Maiden set list? Um, uh, it's uh, so for that one. I mean, I love playing. Um, I love. I have a love hate relationship with the song Clairvoyant you know that one okay yeah Mm -hmm. um because i love the song it's a great song it sounds so fun to play but those verses are just hard like Like i love that beat though yeah it's cool but it's hard though like it's hard it's so sick but yeah but it's like it's it's for me that's tricky like that's a hard one so i'd say that's like a love hate that's a song that i i definitely um as much as I love it, it's it's hard to pull off. I would say right now I really enjoy playing uh, Alexander the Great, nice a lot. 
Nice. Um, that's probably one of the favorites. And that's one a of, long one, right? Very long, yeah. yeah. Well, it's pretty long and, and all that, but it's got like the, the the snare drum intro and oh yeah, yeah. All it's, that. Got it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's got a lot of and Maiden themselves have never done it live, actually. Never. Yeah, and it's like a pretty. It's kind of like a cult favorite amongst the Maiden fans. I yeah. think they're gonna do it on the next tour for the first time ever. Wow. Yeah, because they're doing like that's a tour awesome. next year. Or I might I might have to go see them again for oh the, you have to. Uh, 12th time yeah, i think I, I'm, I'm the same and i'm in yeah. the same because uh, I, I saw them at uh like i see them every time <laughs> every time i think i've missed them once yeah uh since so my brother saw them on the brave new world tour oh wow that would have been cool 2001 yeah and yeah. he took me to see them in 2003 the tour after that because they always do an album and then the next year they would do a best of tour sure yeah so i think it was like the early days tour or something like that or yeah i think it, i think it was early in days. 03 you said or in 03 yeah i think it would have been something like that yeah, yeah i think they released like the early days uh dvd or something like that around mm. then and then they did the middle days which was sick yeah um did you see the somewhere back in time tour that came through. Um, when That's, was what, that? Is like that when 2010? They, yeah, when they recreated Power Slave. Yeah, yeah that was sick. That was, that was Dude, awesome. Dude, that was that so was awesome. sick. Yeah. They were talking about me on the radio the next day. Really? I got, I got so into it, dude. I was like, it is the fucking... It is 1986. Like, like oh, I, am, it, I got yeah. so loaded. I was like, <laughs> took my shirt off at the end of the night. Yeah. I was like, m- like, marching with people on the way out. You know, yeah. like it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a riot, dude. I had so much fun, like way too much fun. Yeah. Maiden, yeah. Maiden, Maiden is awesome for that kind of like, um, that fan service thing. They always have like a cool, like angle on their tour, right? Yes. Where it's like, oh, we're doing this album or we're doing this like era. Yeah. Whereas a lot of bands, they just kind of, oh, we're doing the hits like Motley Crue or someone comes around that's like, okay, we're just going to do like... You know, our big hits, hits and for the it's next like seven years yeah. apparently <laughs> you know, know. <laughs> made it's like it gives it gives like the the diehard fans um they, it gives them something to like oh i'm gonna go see that tour and they you know they're very good with that that crew. yeah and that's the thing that's tricky for us as like a tribute band is um there's such there's so many eras of the maiden catalog mm-hmm. that it's like picking what songs to play is tricky because it's like as a tribute we want to we want to play the hits but we also want to play like some deeper cuts too like oh that. definitely it's kind of yeah. like it's hard pleasing everybody because you get like the people that that come and they want to hear like just like whatever the standards are can i can i put a yeah. suggestion absolutely in the box for the set list yeah the loneliness of the long i want to do runner. that so bad i would do that whole album to be honest with you. that's my favorite album by them okay i think yeah. we just became best friends we are yeah yeah, yeah. yeah dude yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I would do that all whole right. Record. So let's. I, love uh, I think we've been talking for uh, a while. I can't see how long, but okay. uh, yeah. Let's end on since you play a Maiden tribute band. Yeah. Top five Maiden albums. Maiden albums. Albums. Okay. Let's go top five Maiden albums because this this one's tricky, and I, I've asked a lot of people, and they typically get it wrong. So. Wrong. You know. Okay. So <laughs> based off my own opinion. Oh, you're trying to get me to guess your top no, five. No, oh, uh, I want your top five. Okay. Your top five maiden albums. Like in order, kind of thing, or are you talking? Uh, like, just it doesn't like... just. I, I'd say even just top five doesn't need to be in order. If you want to put an order to them, okay, then that's fine. Now it changes. But... It changes from you know week to week, obviously, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say number one for me is somewhere in time. Yeah, that's I'd, the right answer. Yeah, so I would say. One. 
it it changes from week to week. This this spot, the number two spot changes. It's either Seventh Son, mm-hmm. or I would go with Number of the Beast, just because there's so many bangers on Number of the Beast. Like it's there, a class. That's uh, such yeah. a good. So that's my two and three. See, I, I yeah, I I go Seventh Son. Too. Yeah, that's that's just, yeah. Definitively, see, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like that most of the time. But Number of the Beast is so good, though, too. Like, it's like, it's hard because they're both. It's so iconic, right? It's iconic, but you'd yeah. be. I think I, I don't even think Number of the Beast is in my top five. Really? I don't think so. Wow. Nope. And then I'd have to go. See, I would say. You, I mean, you got to go like peace of mind and power slave. That's hard to like the order. It's like, for me, it's like picking, like if it's I pick power tough. slave, then I'm, then I'm getting rid of peace of mind. And it's like, ah, yeah, it's hard. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's a tough choice. You don't want to like ostracize any of your children. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I know, but it's tough, but you need yeah. to do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go definitively. Here it goes. It's going to go. Okay. Uh, it's going to go somewhere in time. Seventh son, number the beast, power slave, peace of mind. That's okay. it. That's my list. How about you? That's it. Okay. What do you got? So, uh, somewhere in time, Seventh Son. Okay. Power Slave. Yeah, solid. Brave New World. Brave New World is great. That's such Brave a good Brave New album. World is incredible. Yeah. And that was like, they were, they had just released that. Bruce had just come back oh, when I got into Maiden I as love a kid. That. Yeah. So, I was like, yeah, yeah, like that. That album was heavily influential on on me. Same with me. That's when I kind of became aware of it. Was around that that era. I think I would have been fourteen when that album came out. So I was like eleven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, I'm gonna have to go with the original man, the self title. First, yeah. First, well, album, there's some man. there's some bangers on Dennis Stratton on guitar. Fucking Paul Diano. Yeah, come yeah. on, it's yeah. a classic. Yeah. I love it. I know I'm missing one that I'm going to kick myself for not saying because there's so many good albums, but definitely nothing from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, the 90s was tricky, right? I mean, like, yeah, Fear the Dark, which has some really good songs on Fear it. Fear the Dark is one of, is probably in my top five favorite songs. Oh, yeah. But that oh, for sure. The album, album, there's a lot of filler. Is not great. Yeah. Is Holy Smoke on that one? Holy Smoke's on that's that. A, that's a great tune. And, uh, <laughs> and like, um, be quick or be dead. Be quick or be dead. That's yeah. a great tune. Yeah, right? it but, is. Um, yeah, yeah. There's I wasn't a big fan of the production on that either. That album. No, I Feel the Dark Live is where it's at. Yeah, know? I mean that song is one of the definitive Maiden songs, right? Yeah. But the rest of the album's not as strong. Um, mm-hmm. And then even like after like the Blaze Bailey era, there's like the there's a couple sneaky ones in there, but in general, it's kind of like a look down upon era of the band. Yeah. Well, you had songs like Virus that was like, yeah. what are you, mm, <laughs> what are you, Angel and the Gambler. <laughs> yeah. But then you have Sign of the Cross. Sign of the Cross is, is great. Still like, Plansman's good. Yeah. You know, you have a couple like yeah. heavy bangers in there. And it's unfortunate because Blaze Bailey is such an amazing vocalist. He's a great vocalist for so his incredible. stuff. Like yeah. the stuff you that he sang. You his, his solo stuff? Blaze? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it's awesome. so good. It's so just good. him replicating the Maiden stuff like the, the classic Maiden stuff it just he wasn't able to pull it off a lot of it unfortunately yeah. it wasn't like the right fit like the stuff that he sang on originally he was good on mm-hmm. like we play Future Real in our set um, oh, okay. it's, one of the, it's, it's like a nice it's a fun song and, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. cool right but uh, and we have to represent all eras I guess right oh, we should so. as a tribute or whatever yeah. right but, <laughs> um, but uh, no 80s Maiden only 80s Maiden's where it's at but there's yeah. some sneaky stuff like even in the song um uh, even in the album uh, Book of Souls from 2015, if Eternity Should Fail, we play that one live. Yeah, it opens the album. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite songs, 
period not even just a major really, song eh? yeah wow yeah i find the album's not as strong i think the newest one is stronger senjutsu is stronger than book of souls in my opinion yeah. okay but um i have to go give those another listen i listened to them yeah. when they came out and i was like you know what like i love dance of death like yeah. all, everything up to dance of death worst cover like, ever but worst, great worst. is that not uh, no there's when digital art oh, like just started oh, doing awful. stuff and i'm like why yeah it's the worst. it is terrible yeah. but it is a good album though Phenomenal. i saw that tour yeah yeah uh, where did you see it uh acc i think it, it was or no was it budweiser did not come to toronto my friend no i saw i saw it did not it? come to Toronto because I went to Montreal to see it and Arch Enemy was opening and I had really? to go. We saw we went to Montreal because Dance of Death tour was when uh, they released it. It wasn't coming to Toronto. It might, really? They might have done a second one. But the maybe Dance it wasn't called tour. that tour then. I, I definitely saw them around that time. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Because we that was my second time, I think, seeing Maiden second or third. And yeah, they weren't coming to Toronto, so we did a trip really? to Montreal, and Arch Enemy was opening, which was insane. Really? I was a huge Arch Enemy fan yeah, at Arch the Enemy's same time, sick, yeah. right? So I was yeah. like 16, 17, I think, 16 or 17 when that came out. Going to titty bars, it was great in Montreal. Yeah. Oh, Loved there you it. go. Yeah, throwing up on the streets. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've never done anything like that, you know. No, never, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. Okay, maybe I didn't. I don't know. No, I think I saw the... Was it Dance of Death? When they played the whole album in the in, in its entirety, I saw that too. Maybe it wasn't that tour. Okay. I don't think they played the whole album in its entirety on that tour. No, I'm thinking of A Matter of Life and Death. Ah, yes. That's the one I saw. And they played yes. the whole album. And then the year, like the next tour was when they came back and did that. Uh, they recreated Power Slave. Right. I think was the yes. year, I think was the tour after yes. that. Yes. So it was controversial. Everyone's like, play all the play classics. And Bruce like ripped the guys like sign up. It was like a big famous yeah. thing at the time. Big like thing. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce gets into a little bit of trouble. He gets eh? himself in a hot yeah. water, but you know, yeah. that's all right. Good old Bruce Bruce. Yeah. He's one, oh, of the, one of my one of the best ever though. Yeah. He really yeah. is. He yeah. really is, man. Yeah. You can't uh, argue that. So no. awesome. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you very much yeah, for joining hey, thank me. Thank you for having me. Dude. This is uh, fun. This oh, is my first it. time ever uh doing a podcast. Uh, oh, it's been well, fun. Thanks, man. Uh thanks for having me. We have to uh, do it again sometime. Absolutely. For sure. Do you uh do you have any shows coming up? Do you have uh where can people find you um, on the socials? Yeah, so I got like all the socials going like on uh like a Facebook page, Instagram, all that. Um, Mike Cotton Drums is my handle on everything, YouTube and all that. Um, same with the, all the bands and stuff. Uh, Steel City Rovers. Uh, Maiden Canada is the Iron Maiden tribute. And uh, the YouTube channel is Blackbridge Sound. So yeah. if you want to. So all links will be in the show notes. Yeah. Go check it out. Mike, thanks again. It's Anytime. Been a blast. <laughs>